0: G'day and welcome back to the My Peak Podcast, home of Holistic Development, another very exciting special guest just joins us today. Geordie Brown,
1: how are you, mate? Yeah, g'day, Cameron, and g'day to all our listeners out there. Thanks again for joining us on another episode of the My Peak Podcast. We do have a special guest today. It's always exciting when we get a professional athlete on the podcast, and we're sitting down today having a chat with Ben Menenti. The great man, Benny Menenti, playing currently for
0: the Adelaide Strikers, coming across from the Sydney Sixers. Geordie and I were lucky enough to grow up playing with and against Benny, and was a formidable opponent to play against on the cricket field, but today you're going to get to know him on the podcast off the cricket
1: field and what he's done to get to where he is today. Yes, Ben was always an intimidating man on the field, so it was lovely to sit down and have a chat with him uh, behind the white stripe today and and really get to know him as a person. He uh, gives a fantastic insight into the challenges and the setbacks um, on the pursuit to be a professional athlete, but also the triumphs that follow Perseverance.
0: Yeah, Benny gives actually some really good pointers uh, about what he does in preparation for a Big Bash game and also just the amount of work that you have to put in to be prepared for a Big Bash game, especially being an off-spinner who bats lower down in the order, the amount of work that he does in order to get the best out of his own performance. It's something that I think all of our athletes and listeners can take away and implement some of these techniques into their own game and... I think Benny's sort of someone that optimizes getting the absolute most out of themselves. He isn't necessarily the most talented cricketer going around in the big bash, but he's someone that competes on every ball and a big reason why he's so
1: successful out on the cricket field. Yeah, Cam and I are very confident that you'll take a lot away from this episode today with Benny. So make sure you switched on listening, Uh, got yourself a cup of tea or a cup of coffee with pen and paper. So sit back, enjoy episode with Ben Menenti.
0: We've got the great man Benny Menente here with us today. Benny, thanks for joining us on the My Peak podcast, mate. No, no problem, boys. Happy to come on. Awesome. Well, let's jump straight into it, Benny. What what's your season looking like now? Where are you at? How long till preseason kicks off? And what's happening in your life right now? Uh
2: it's pretty cruisy time of year. Um just in Adelaide at the moment. Uh we're starting up pre-season. Sort of start of June, so next week we'll kick off. Um, a lot of boys are away overseas in England. Um, I've been training for a couple of weeks now, though, because I'm off to Scotland in July to play for Italy in some World Cup qualifiers. Um, oh,
1: beautiful! That sounds exciting. Yeah,
2: <laughs> so that'll be good fun. Um, and then, yeah, other than that, it's pretty quiet. A couple runs, couple gyms, bit of yoga. Um, that's basically making up my weeks at the moment
0: yeah nice so your plan is to do you approach do you like set yourself a little pre-season for the pre-season so you get back and you're not at square one or do you kind of just cruise into a pre-season
2: yeah yeah it's uh it's way too hard to to get back to to full fitness if you don't sort of keep ticking over so I sort of had a couple of niggles and injuries at the end of the season. So I've just been sort of coming in to try and get them right. Um, Doing a lot of running. um, And a bit of gym stuff to just make sure that when we do start next week, I'm not back at square one again. It's it's sort of a smooth transition in. Benny, obviously
1: you're in Adelaide now, mate. You've made the move there from Cricket New South Wales or the Sydney Premier Competition. Do you just want to speak a little bit about your transition or even your background from starting here in New South Wales to uh, being down there in Adelaide now?
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so I started at Sydney, played all my grade cricket at Sydney, um, played a bit of second 11 stuff at New South Wales and some games for ACT as well and just couldn't quite get through to obviously, I mean, the end goal was a contract, but even just to get consistent opportunities in 2nd 11. Um, I couldn't really get that in New South Wales, Um, whether I thought it was right or wrong. um, I I didn't get it. So I went to Tassie two years ago, had a year of great cricket down in Tassie, Um, played some 2nd 11 there and played a shield game in a one day or two. So that was a, a really good move and probably the change of scenery that um that i needed to get away from new south wales and actually go back and and learn by yourself and not trust the people that um not trust isn't the right word but um rely on the people that i had in new south wales that were telling me that i was i was doing really well and going really well which some years statistically yeah i was um but other years like probably just relying a bit on what i'd done previously so Tassie was a really good fresh uh, breath of fresh air, um, and I loved that down there. And then that sort of wrapped up, and I just sort of assumed I was going to roll into a contract there. Mm-hmm. Um, and they sort of said, "No, we don't have any, we don't have any real interest in giving you a contract. So uh, we can do what we did this year, and you can train with us, and we'll try and give you an upgrade." And that was what I was planning on doing. And then South Australia were trying to. I think they were trying to get someone else. They weren't trying to get me and and that fell through. So then they sort of rung and, and offered me two years. And that sort of landed me in Adelaide this time last year. Um and I've absolutely loved my twelve months here since then. It's been awesome. It's a great place to live. Um it's a great place to train. Like I'm sitting here doing this podcast, watching them set up for state of origin as we speak. So oh, it's That's yeah. um,
1: cool. That's brilliant. That's pretty-
2: it's pretty uh, it's a pretty good place to be and um, i've loved the the transition and and probably the probably that year in tassie is probably more of a an important year that sort of set me up compared to the other the other years just mm. cuz it was a set of fresh eyes it wasn't the same ground same players you would played for the last 5 years play same players you'd with and that's not taking anything away from sydney or Sydney grade cricket because I think it's the best grade comp in Australia but sometimes that different eyes different voice almost have to go and prove yourself again to new people um it sort of kick-started me and actually it actually reminded me that I definitely did sort of want it because at 25 26 it's at are sort of in your second state and then now I'm in my third state so it sort of had to happen, or it wasn't going to happen. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I was. It has been sort of a big twenty-four months of growing, um, more sort of as a as a person and and understanding my game rather than actually developing my my skill set a whole lot.
0: That's awesome, Benny. What I'm interested to know: when you got your Adelaide con or your soccer contract, how did that go about? Was that like did your manager reach out to them did they reach out to him was it someone that you knew that's in in the soccer or how did you actually get that contract is was it the stars aligning or what actually happened for that
2: i think it was a bit of the stars aligning um my manager spoke to tazzy and tazzy said the same thing to him that they they did to me um and like i i'm a big fan of my manager and he does a lot of good stuff for me but i like to have a lot of the conversations myself as well um, mm. Just to just so I know where I stand with them rather than um, just the manager, because I think it's an important to be able to sort of connect to those people giving you contracts and not giving you contracts on on a level as well as through the manager. Um, so yeah, Tazzy said no, um, and then he said, "Oh, I'm just going to touch base with South Australia," and she said, "Oh, we might have one year in South Australia." And in my head I was umming and hiring a bit, I was like, Well, one year's a it's a lot of risk. Like I've mm-hmm. played games in Tassie. There's no guarantee that I play games in South Australia. And if you move there, you've left New South Wales, Tassie, and now South Australia. So you're almost you're almost out of options. So I was if it was one year deal, I probably would have stayed in Tassie. But they sort of said, Well, we'll back you in, we'll give you two years and and everything sort of came together. It was it wasn't it wasn't COVID, but it was a weird time. Like I remember sitting on the conference call with them. I was in Tassie. My manager was in the Blue Mountains in a car with his wife. Dizzy was at um somewhere on the Gold Coast with his kids at a trampoline indoor skydiving center or something. Um Tim Nielsen had COVID and and one of the other guys was at his house. So it was a bit of a rabble, but it's um <laughs> It, it's, no, as soon as I sort of spoke to them, I knew it was going to be the right decision. And um, yeah, as I said, since then, I haven't looked back. Benny, you're
1: right. It was definitely the right decision. I mean, you must be pretty pumped with how you went last year. I know, you know, every Monday, Cam and I would talk about how well you're going. And I want to know what kind of was the, I don't know, the secret recipe that allowed you to perform so well in a new state. First year, I don't know. Was it anything to do with, obviously there are a few familiar faces down there. Um, who you grew up playing with or against? Um, how comfortable were you, and and what was sort of the recipe to your success last year?
2: Yeah, I've been asked that a few times. I, I don't, I don't think it was anything that I'd done different. Like, I still trained the same way I trained. I still played the same way that I played. Um, like, I didn't change anything. I sort of just had the belief that it had worked to get me here, so Mm. keep trusting it, keep backing Mm. it, rather than I think a lot of times you can see people come in the state setups and squads and different things and they feel like they've got to change once they're in there. Um, Whereas I sort of just, like, by no means am I the finished product, but I probably did a lot better with the bat than a lot of people thought, including myself, but that was sort of just me trusting what I'd done previously and and having that belief that yep you, you're good enough to do it now just now just do it um mm. and it was sort of an enjoyment factor too like i'd worked so hard for it and wanted it for so long that now it was there on a regular basis to just enjoy it um mm. and like yeah there was different things that i worked on and this year is probably going to be harder than last year because there's probably going to be a bit more focus of teams directed around me and, and yeah. how I play. So it's sort of I guess that's the I I assume, I don't know, but I guess that's the evolution of, of trying to be a good state cricketer is sort of you do well and then they come harder and then you've got to find a way to combat it again. So um it's exciting. I'm I'm looking forward to the next twelve months. There's a lot of opportunities to to do well and, and play some and play some good cricket. So um yeah I don't there's nothing different that I did. I just had that belief that it had worked in the past and and the enjoyment factor too because I think you can put a whole lot of pressure on yourself to do well and succeed at that level. So you've got to make sure you enjoy it at the same time because that's really what i had been chasing for so long.
0: That's awesome, Benny. And I want to touch on something. Growing up, playing a lot of cricket against you and a little bit of cricket with you, and you're always a very attacking player, whether yeah. that was with bat or ball, and then you tasted your success early in your career in the Big Bash. We're looking at a nice photo of you in the Sydney Sixers kit here. But now yeah, your season last year, you, you, <laughs> you probably dominated the most in shield cricket. So what have you done in the last sort of 12 months or even a little bit longer to transfer your skill set across all three formats?
2: Yeah, it's it's a tough one. like, as you said, like it was... For a fair period of time there when I was just playing Big Bash, it was like I was almost looking at doing the the Chris Green route, which was just going and playing T20 cricket, which Hmm. um, obviously is awesome. Like that would have been great as well. But I still didn't – like I still thought that I was good enough to play Shield cricket if I got the opportunity. Hmm. Um, I guess like the biggest development in my game was probably when I was down in Tassie and I had a stress fracture in my neck, so I couldn't bowl for four months, but I was allowed to bat, so I spent ages just hitting balls and just trusting everything that I'd done, not changing it, because just like when you're playing grade cricket, you can go, if you miss out, and then you bowl the next week, you bowl the first week, the week after, you can go three weeks without having a good, four weeks without having a good like bat, so mm. like as silly as it sounds, like volume makes such a difference, I think like, The amount of balls you hit makes such a difference. I mean, I know people say Steve Smith and Marnus are so good because they hit so many balls, but it's like it's actually it's it's relevant and it's true. Like I was hitting more balls in Tassie and this year than I ever have previously. Like I'd have a hit on a Tuesday, a hit on a Thursday, and then probably a forty-minute hit. Like that's you're hitting one hour a week when you're playing grade cricket, if that sort of thing. Mm. Like Mm. for training. And, and like, then you want to go out and bat for two hours. Like, you mm. end up wanting to perform your skill more than you've more than you've trained. So, um, like, I guess that's the that's the big one. Like, volume of doing what you want to do within reason, obviously. Like, you don't want to be changing and chopping, but um, yeah. And then like, just transitioning in between the three formats was that's probably something that I'd I'd struggled with in grade cricket a lot. Was I'd come out of big bash in my first two or three Red Bull games after Christmas for for Sydney or in Newtown in Tassie. I was bowling flat and fast. So I sort of sat down last year and, and gave myself some cues um with my bowling of what works what works well, what works to get me when I'm bowling really well in Red Bull cricket, like keep it simple and do that. Um keep it simple, get back to the basics in Red Bull cricket and then white ball cricket have a sort of separate plan as well and then my batting didn't really change a whole lot like one of like a lot like competing is one of my biggest strengths so getting in like a a scrap or a or like just in the in the competition at that moment um is a big one so that's like I'm keeping it really simple and just going well watch the ball and, and compete so that sort of works in, in all formats for me. Like, I'm playing pretty similar. Um, probably my most disappointing with the bats being, being Big Bash just because you can get drawn in so much to watching guys like Stoyness and and guys like Inglis and Mitch Marsh and guys who hit the ball so hard and so far. And, like, I had a, I was having a chat with the batting coach and, For South Australia, who's not the strikers one. But I was like, I do it in shield cricket and one day cricket where I can clear the fence with ease without any stress. But then as soon as it's Big Bash cricket, I feel like I've got to move around and do different things that Mm. isn't what I do. Mm. And that's I think that's just the you watch these guys that are so good at it, but they do that in all three formats. So like batting wise, not going away from my strengths in Big Bash, like I play on the same grounds as as I do for shield and one day cricket, just only difference is there's 25,000 on the other side of the fence rather than 25. So, Mm. um, yeah, that's the sort of, that's the hardest transition I've found is batting in, in big bash compared to the other two and and going back to red ball bowling. Um, But there, yeah, I mean, I want to play the three formats for as long as I can. So hopefully continuing to, make that transition smaller and smaller each time just because the gaps now are so small between shield and one day cricket and then 2020 in your first shield game. So,
0: yeah, that's awesome, Benny. And what that makes me think of is like just the power that expectation can put on a batter. Like you say in a shield or one day game, you clear the boundary well, but then you step into a big bash game and you go out there expected to score from ball one or clear the boundary at the back end of an innings. And it can actually be the same skill, but with a different mindset can be a lot different.
2: Yeah. hundred percent, a hundred percent. And that's like, I've tried to have the same mindset every time i batted in shield or one day cricket sort of re- regardless of the, the score. Like I think I actually did well, like myself as a did a lot better when the, team was in trouble yeah. um like when we were four or five for 60 rather than when we were four or five for 300 because i didn't like i wasn't in the same mindset so again that's like another one for me like trying to make sure every time i bat like i'm in the same headspace not making days when we're in trouble more important mm. than when we're not in trouble and, and same with big bash going out and, and trusting trusting my process and trusting my my swing because um, it's it's good enough once you like you know it's good enough but as you said it's just going out there and going well he's just hit it 30 rows back I've got to do the same so um, yeah that's a big one like I don't have too many rituals or too many things but like just having a, a really clear plan about like watch the ball and and react sort of thing like And it works for me. It won't work for everyone, but like that's my game plan and there'll be times where it doesn't work. But I think that's even more important than to know that when you have had success from it, that you keep trusting it. You don't go and change it.
1: Benny, Benny, we talk a lot with our athletes about preparation and the decisions they make away from training. And I'm interested to know, say, a couple days out from a Big Bash game where Big Bash is obviously such a huge tournament here in the summertime in Australia. What kinds of things are you doing, say, a couple of days out or the, the night before that are helping you be in that mindset you talk about and, and ready for performance um, come that night?
2: Yeah, it's funny you mention that because I had a bit of like a um, reminder this year sort of, of that. When I was first playing for the Sixers, like, I used to do – like, we'd train the day – the – two days before and then like have a top-up session the day before. So you do all Mm. your skills and all that stuff. Um, And then like, I still to this day, the most nervous I get in a big bash game is when I'm fielding. I don't worry Mm. about, I'm not worried about when I bowl or when I bat. It's, It's fielding like if a ball goes up, it's tough under lights like, and then you've got crowds screaming at you and it's all going on. So, Like, I spend a lot of time on that the day before a game. Um, And then I used to, yeah, as I said, I used to take notes on every batter and I'd watch right arm, off-spin, bowling against every top six batter from all the teams. And I'd write notes and fields on everything I'd have for them. So I did that pretty much every year. And then at the start of this year, I didn't do it. Um, And I had a day out. Here, where I got, I got Finch out in my first over, and then like I just, I just wasn't clear on what I was doing at all, and I ended up going for forty five or something off, off four overs, or it might have even been three overs. Um, I ended up going at about fifteen and over and got another one along the way, but I was two for forty five, and we lost the game, and I was, I just completely gone away from what had sort of held me in good stead. Um, and like all it would have taken was looking back through the notes and going, well, Sam Harper hit me for three sixes slog sweeping, and in my notes I went back and looked at it, and I have that highlighted as his hot zone is slog sweep slash like reverse and lap sweep. So Mm -hmm. my plans would have been completely different, but I just wasn't, I wasn't in the like, I wasn't in the moment at all. I was just bowling without sort of a plan. So that was a good reminder to go back and actually. And actually, do continue doing that because it actually is really beneficial when you are under pressure to be able to know where these guys are going to try and target you. Um, so, like now, like I've pretty much got a, an A four book on pretty much every batter in in Big Bash, and every time I sort of play against them, I jot down if they do something different or something new. Um, and it's not too different in Shield cricket, except we do it from a, a team aspect. Um, We sort of look at the batting order in a team point of view and go, well, okay, this opening batter um, doesn't like it when the ball comes back into him. He's LB bowl candidate. And equally too, like sometimes they've got out, like if it's a left-hander, they've got out to spin two or three times early. So like there's games where I come on in the 15th over and and it's actually worked a few times. So I think there is a... As silly as it sounds like – and you don't – it's hard to do it at different levels because you won't have the same access. But my cricket's a beautiful thing in terms of you've got how everyone's gone for the last – well, basically for the last 15 years. So you can see if there's a a way a guy gets out consistently or stuff like that. So um, I think it plays a massive part, and it's probably not something that until I was in a professional setup I realised – because you don't have the access to it, so therefore you don't go and look for it yourself a lot of the time.
1: I can just imagine the A4 sheet you've got on Cam Weir cuts <laughs> everything. <laughs> <laughs> I don't yeah. think, Benny, have you ever got me out before, Benny? No, I don't
2: reckon I, don't reckon I have, actually. No, ah. Benny, you've got, uh, you've got me PG's out game. pretty much. No, you go. <laughs> no, I don't reckon I've got you out, unless it was a PG's game. Um, I
1: remember,
0: Benny, this will bring back a good memory from you, just sidetracking. Do you remember the PG's game you played at Howl Over where it was 51 degrees? <laughs>
2: yeah, I was, I was so happy there.
0: Oh, <laughs> I completely forgot about that day until that. No, that yeah. rolling snicked me off to second slip that day. You would turn them square at the other end though.
2: It was as dry as anything, that's right. <laughs> it would have been dry at hello. What a time.
0: touching on that A4 sheet though, what are a couple of, are you just targeting strengths and weaknesses of batters there, or is there a few other things that you throw on a sheet for uh, analysing a batter Benning?
2: Um, so I'll basically do like two fields. So I'll have like a power play or surge field. So like if I'm bowling up with two fielders out, these are my two out. And mm. then like pretty much 90% of the time, your five out to a spin is the same. The only time I'll change it is if someone hits really well over cover and yeah. I'll bring – I'll sort of push my my extra cover through and bring up the, the squarer cover and stuff like that and play around with the guys there. But I'll have them down and then I'll have sort of where their boundary option is. Um, so for a lot of guys, it's straight and, and long on. And then I'll sort of have – Three dot points of where I'm going to bowl. So, like, it'd be into the wicket, top of the pad, um, around the wicket, into the sort of the thigh or block hole, um, and sort of almost constructs like the first bit of an over in in a, in a sense. Like, mm-hmm. I sort of know where my first three balls are going to go, and if they do something different or react differently, then. So be it, and then most of the time you're not bowling into the same batter for more than three balls and over, unless they're really getting you or you're or you're really on top of them. So, yeah, um, like I'll if I bowl three balls to and get three singles, and then I'm bowling the other guy who I've also got a plan for three balls too. So you sort of mm. start to stack it together, and like you got to sort of keep evolving too. Like it's pretty hard to as like conventional loss spinner. Like I'm not gonna to trick too many batsmen. Like I don't have a ball that goes the other way or a wrong. And so you gotta be pretty subtle in your changes of angle, your speed, your lengths, um, your seam. So that's sort of the stuff I'm I'm working on at the moment to um to get back at. So yeah.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. And going on with like a bit of big bash talk, you've played for a couple of teams now and the strikers have had a couple of captains last year. Who are the guys that you play under? You don't even have to name your favorite ones more. So what do they do to allow you to feel like you can perform well in a team?
2: Yeah. Um, I'll give you the the two best ones I've played under uh, Moises and um, Matt Wade. They were both like, they both. And again, it's probably an experience thing because the rest of the captains I've played under haven't had as much experience as those two. Um so yeah they just they ask you what you want to do first and foremost and what your plan is and then if you're under the pump they sort of come over and, and give you a, a breath and go, Right, what's your plan now sort of thing. Um and they're happy to happy to spit ideas at you and stuff like that. Um but it's more them giving putting faith in you to do your your job um they don't do a whole lot in terms of telling me where to bowl or anything because i think if that was the case like i'd feel under pressure um it's more them me going okay i want to do xyz and them going yep i think y and z is a great option um and then going from there sort of thing
1: benny is there anyone in the setup at the moment that you're maybe gravitating towards or you know, learning things from whether it's how how they go about their training or how they go about their preparation. Is there anything or anyone that you're yeah speaking to a lot to really pick up a few things about uh, helping you go to that next level?
2: Um, yes and no. Not necessarily with my batting. Um, mm. I'm spending a bit of time uh, with John Davidson. Um, shortly just to work with my work on my bowling, my red ball bowling sort of thing. Um. And keep progressing it that way. In terms of training, like I've always felt like I've been a pretty good trainer. Um, I'm just probably more structured now, um and usually sort of like taking someone with me to mm. to do to do something with me, just to a keep you accountable and, and b, you're sort of a bit more interested and um again it's probably my competitive side coming out like of wanting to compete with someone um but yeah not a whole lot like I think I think that stuff. like for me personally I think if I go all in on that and be focused so much on getting to the next level that it that it won't actually not that it won't actually happen but it might not happen just because I'm all all in on it whereas I think if I can just sort of keep tracking the way I am and keep picking people's brain along the way and like I'm a big believer of a lot of like if you can take bits of different information from a lot of different people, then it's going to hold you in good stead. Like obviously Mm -hmm. you're going to have your immediate immediate team around you that you've sort of always like gone to your batting coach, your bowling coach, your S and C, your physio. Like I've still got sort of all those guys that I used to work with and speak to and stuff like that. And Now I've got a bigger group where I've got the South Australia ones as well. And then you sort of chat to other guys like, I spent a bit of time with Ashton Agar after one of the big bash games, chatting to him about different things and like what he does and stuff like that. I think it's good to just sort of take a lot of information from different sources, um, especially if there's some key points.
0: Yeah. Awesome. I think it wouldn't be a good podcast if we interview you, Benny, playing for the strikers and not get in your mind about Rashid Khan and what you've learnt from him and, It'd be interesting to know because you're obviously a pretty traditional off spinner where he spins the ball both ways and almost bowls six different balls in one over. What have you taken from his game and implemented your game? Obviously it could be more so from a tactical point of view as well.
2: Yeah. Before I played with Rash, I didn't really sort of appreciate probably how good he was. Um, I just sort of thought he was the new guy on the block that spun it both ways and And bowled, like, fast, so guys couldn't really read him or hit him. But once you play with him and you see him in the nets, he bowls it so quick that I don't think a lot of the time it's the reaction of which way it's spinning, but it's the pace Mm. that it gets to you and you have to make a decision on. Um, Like, technically, I can't really learn a whole heap from him, but, like, tactically, he's so good. He knows where guys want to hit him and, because he's so confident, he's happy to chance his arm and, and bring guys up and, and take that risk of if you're good enough to hit me over mid on against the spin, then then go for it. But also, like I might give you a wrong one and go straight through the gate at the same time. So <laughs> I just think he's got this ability to not ever let a batter feel comfortable. Um I mean, he's I think he's he knows his stats. He's like second in the wickets for T twenty all time with like five hundred and he's 24 so he'll probably end up with bloody 150 oh, 1500 or something. Um, is he actually
0: 24, Benny. What's you take there?
2: <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think he is. I think he is. um he. Yeah. yeah. But no, he's he's very good. He's a he's a ripping fella as well, like the Adelaide fans here absolutely love him and he walks mm-hmm. around and spends an hour after the game signing autographs for people and good stuff so he's a he's a great fella, and he it, it gives you a lot of time. Um, I think I think even though sort of he knows that he can't help a whole lot of a whole lot of bowlers because he's sort of so unique in what he does. Um, but he's happy to give you his time and and talk talk tactics with you.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Well, it's been a great episode, Benny, thanks for jumping on just before we let you get back to your preseason training. We often hear on podcasts, people ask, what's one piece of advice? I reckon instead of asking a generic question like that, what's something that you do in your game now, whether that's when you step on the field or perhaps at training as well, that you wish you started when you were perhaps back in Sydney playing Premier Cricket or when you were a young cricketer growing up?
2: Yeah, um, probably two, two things. A, Whenever I've got the ball in my hand or I cross the boundary to go out to bat is like i know i know that i'm good enough whether it whether it's true or not um whether there's 11 of the opposition and your own teammate thinking that you're not good enough or that you're going to be in trouble know that i'm good enough um i think you've got to be able to convince yourself before you can convince other people so self belief's a big one like no matter the situation knowing that i'm good enough and um enjoying it because i think as soon as you as soon as for a long time i probably put a lot of pressure on myself to get to the next level and not actually enjoying the the journey um like i love going back and playing great cricket now because my attitude's so much different to what it was five years ago whereas five years ago it was like i was going out to war whereas now it's mm-hmm. more it's fun i enjoy it i can go and go and practice my skills go and execute my skills and and when you do that, you you find you often succeed more than you fail. So they're two big ones, belief and enjoyment.
0: Yeah, awesome. Well, thanks for jumping on, Benny. Good luck for the, first of all, the pre-season and then your trip over to represent Italy and for the upcoming season, mate. We look forward to watching you go hopefully to a new level next year and continue to score well and take as many wickets as you can at, for the strikers and for South Australia.
2: Thanks, boys. Thanks for having me on.
0: Thanks, Benny.